Welcome ladies and gentlemen to yet another insightful episode of the Digital Adoption Show. Your go-to podcast for inspiring stories of execution and growth. I'm your host Tamanna Chanana, a senior growth marketing manager at Warfix. This is the second episode of our L&D Upskill mini series which focuses on the transformative role of learning and development in today's dynamic workplace. Join us as we engage with L&D experts to explore innovative strategies and insights that are driving employee and organizational development. In today's episode, we will talk about maximizing productivity through learning in the flow of work. With great excitement, I would like to introduce two distinguished guests who stand at the forefront of the learning and development landscape, ready to share their knowledge and experiences with us. Joining us today is Andrew Jacobs, who's the CEO of Learn Learning Services. He's a distinguished L&D professional with over 25 years of experience in the learning field and is determined to uh, improve the quality of effective workplace learning. He brings to the table immense expertise in people and team management, learning strategy, learning design, coaching, and mentoring, to name a few of his specialities. Alongside Andrew, we have the pleasure of welcoming Fran Harrison, a learning technology strategist at QA Limited. Fran is a seasoned professional with a wealth of expertise in facilitating lifelong learning across various stages of life. With a background encompassing diverse fields such as learning technology, diversity and inclusion, project management and uh, leadership development. Fran brings a unique perspective to the discussion. Andrew and Fran, we are thrilled to have you both here. And to begin with, why don't you both tell us a bit about your journey in the l space? Thank you. Oh, it's good to be here. The pleasure is ours. So let, let's just try and understand both of you better. What has been your journey? What is your inspiration in the LND space? Um, do I, shall I go first? You go first, Frank. Um, I actually started life many, pretty much exactly 30 years ago in the learning sphere. And I was initially teaching in a school. So I started out as a school teacher and then moved through advisory work in schools at which point learning technologies were beginning to become a thing. So I moved into that sphere at that point almost by accident. And I think a lot of people do seem to fall into learning technologies by accident early on. Um, and then I worked through there. I've worked in a postgraduate university as well, um, doing learning technologies and uh, sort of medium-sized project management for e-learning projects. And about four and a half years ago, I actually moved across into the private sector. So I now work with QA Group as a learning technology strategist. So working at the development stage of lots of learning activities and doing quality control and all sorts, really. Awesome. That's amazing. Andrew, over to you. Um, so I've been in L&D. It's actually nearer 30 years now. It's 30 years next year, which is really scary. Um, and about 15 years ago, I realized that we were doing learning and development wrong. Um, there was lots of smoke and mirrors. There was lots of what I call Mexican food in learning and development. The same ingredients just folded differently and represented. And we weren't taking uh, advantage of technology in the way that we could do it. So I just spent a lot of time understanding how we can do learning development better. And that's strategy, design, delivery, evaluation, and so on. Um, and understanding how we use the technology for the best that we can get from it as well. Yeah, 
amazing and i'm i'm really amazed with the exponential growth that you have seen in the last couple of years so it's lovely to see you around especially every lnd community or anywhere i usually see you even talking about some of the new things that are coming in new trends new technologies so it's lovely to have you here thank you so much andrew all right let's uh, that was really great now let's start with our discussion for today uh, so today our conversation with revolve around three pivotal questions that aim to uncover the essence of learning in the flow of work in the modern workplace so all right to begin with our first question for today is how do you identify real time learning opportunities within employees daily task uh i'd like to hear your both of your thoughts frank uh, let's let's start with you um i think for me the most important way in is to take as many ways in as possible so whenever i've been told to or sort of brought in to develop something the first thing i do is consult i don't say what do we need to learn what are we trying to achieve i say what's the problem yeah what does it look like now why is that a problem for you mm-hmm. and what should the solution look like and not even talk about what needs to happen to get there until we've really thrashed out exactly what is happening now and what needs to happen in the future and particularly if we're introducing new change which i did quite a lot when i was working in in schools doing advisory i was rolling out a platform across 280 schools mm-hmm. and the first thing i did was sit and chat to them about life and what was happening i'd sit with the senior management team unpick what their problems were because i didn't want to hand them a platform i wanted to solve their problems and i think it's so important not just to go in and say right let's roll this out what are we going to do we can use this we can use that we can use that piece of technology yes we can but let's make sure we're solving problems for people first yeah and i don't know what you think about that the i think one of the problems is is there's a, there's a disconnect between the learning function and the workplace and i get really frustrated i keep hearing about how learning should be aligned with the business and that's not good enough because if you're aligned with the business you are parallel to you're not part of learning should be integrated within the business yeah. and that requires a, a change of thought from the learning function mm-hmm. um and what we do is we focus on the way we supply stuff and things whatever the stuff and things are uh rather than on the performance piece and that takes a, m- a mindset shift to think about performance as the ultimate goal from learning and development and um, we're not there yet that that's so true and sadly that's the reality people don't focus on humans they focus on technology more yeah and i've always said that i've always said no matter what change you're introducing whether it's technological change whether it's business change mm-hmm. what you're actually introducing is people change yeah all the others all the rest is just stuff what you what needs to move what you need to bring with you the people the thing you need to engage with the people no matter what it is yeah. and i think yes it's if you start with the people and you start with where you are and where you're trying to go what data you're trying to capture you're a long way there already rather than going right let's do this yeah and pushing they, and yeah. pushing is another problem is just it's so easy to design something and put it out to learners and then walk away take a happy sheet at the end everybody says they were happy with it whereas actually we need to challenge learners make them feel a bit uncomfortable but we don't actually need to necessarily produce learning it might not be a learning problem it's making sure you've got that problem and you've got that solution in mind 
So you, you completely jumped into my pond. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me get on my high horse. So my high horse, my high horse, there's two horses I'm climbing on here. So the first one is to do with um, capability. And we fundamentally get this wrong in learning development. So we want people to be capable to do their job. Capability requires two parts. It requires the cap the cape part, which is capacity and mm -hmm. ability. Yeah. Learning development, we are so focused on ability that we ignore the capacity. And the capacity yeah. will be the aims, the objectives, the structure, the relationships, the systems, the processes, technologies, and the culture that exists in the space where people work. And you can give people all the ability you want, but if they don't have the space to perform, we're going to get it wrong. Yeah, that's okay. I'll get off of that high horse and get onto the other high horse. And the <laughs> other high horse is the data, which you mentioned as well, Fran. We don't understand how to use data properly in learning development. Mm -hmm. We assume that bums on seats, as Donald Clark says, if you're counting bums on seats, you're counting the wrong end of the person. We assume bums on seats equals engagement. We assume clicks equals engagement. It's meaningless metrics, vanity metrics used by learning functions to justify they've done something. Like yeah. I said before, a thing or a, you know, some stuff, whatever the thing happens to be. And we need to understand data better. And that is part of the gap that exists within performance. How can I say, oh, I'm improving performance if I'm not measuring an improvement in performance? Yeah. It's really important to define that improvement as well, isn't it? I think you can, I've seen it happen where you go from, from saying, were you happy with the biscuits? Okay. And really that very shallow data too far the other direction where you're measuring maybe 13 14 15 different things and it's then becomes too diluted what are your focuses and what what do you actually need what's the most important thing focus on three four or five different things hmm. and then it's far easier to demonstrate change and it might not be something you've done it might be something happening informally that you've just facilitated and that's okay too you don't have to produce something to affect change it's the the age-old argument about the effectiveness of a course you know two people go along on a course and uh, they have a chat at the tea break and one person says something fundamental and absolutely crystallizes something for the other person the other person goes back to work and performs brilliantly as a result of that conversation they've had and the course gets the credit for it but it wasn't the course that provided it it was just the happenstance of those two people being in the same place at the same time that's what we don't understand in learning. We don't think, well, how do we measure those kind of impacts and uh, collisions where people come together to understand the benefit that they uh, supply and provide people? Yeah, that's so true. In fact, there's a follow-up question that I would like to ask both of you. How do you translate these insights into actionable improvements and what strategies do you use to address these skill gaps? Obviously, this is what you guys were talking about, but let, hmm. let's get into a deeper side of this. So I'll, I'll start on this one. So so I apply something and I, I suggest people apply uh, something to how they're approaching their learning, and that's the three A's. Mm -hmm. So we want to identify why does someone need to know something, and they need to know it for one of three A's. The first A is about awareness. They mm -hmm. know something, but they've forgotten it. Yeah. And a lot of what we do in learning development is just about raising awareness. So you used to do that thing. Let's show you, you know, how it's done again. We'll mm -hmm. raise awareness of it. And a lot of L&D could be met through just doing awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's at the point of need in the, the chain of work. Oh, how do I do this? Click, plays me a GIF that shows me how to do the thing. Done. There we go. 
the second A, which we fall into in learning development too much, is acquisition. Mm -hmm. We assume people want to know everything. Yeah. An example I use about this is crossing the road. If mm -hmm. I'm going to cross the road um, and I can see a BMW uh, 7 Series coming down the road, I don't need to know how the braking system in a BMW 7 Series works. Yeah. But in learning development, we build e-learning modules that teach people how to cross the road. And by the way, this is the braking system of a BMW 7 Series because you might need to know that. Yeah. And we over, oversupply stuff that we think people might need to know. Mm -hmm. Most people don't need that. Most people need the third A, which mm -hmm. is application, the opportunity to practice and try things out in the workplace yeah. in mm -hmm. a safe way, which is tied in with that capacity piece. So giving people space to do yeah. things and learn things and apply the things they've already learned, their knowledge and their understanding and their awareness mm -hmm. into doing the job. Yeah, yeah, that's all true. I think that's probably what we call just enough and just in time. <laughs> and it's so hard to get it the balance exactly right. But I mean, it, it's a sliding scale. But yes, don't deliver the training on something you're going to do in six months time in full and then leave it. Yeah. deliver it nearer the time maybe do drip feed and do reminders and it's that constant application to to make sure it's sticky learning it sticks around the the favorite example is managing sickness absence every organization does managing sickness absence training all the managers are trained in how to manage sickness absence um but it doesn't make any difference to sickness absence in organizations because the sickness absence stays exactly as it is what we can, could, and should be doing is going, well, which functions need more help? How do we give them the help that they need? Exactly. Do managers need to practice dealing with um, you know, particular issues? Is there a particular sector that's having a particular problem within our organization? And spend time focusing on the data behind it to then decide, is it awareness, just raising people's awareness? Is it because they don't know acquisition? Or do they just need a chance to practice, which is application? Mm -hmm. I think I'd probably add to that as well. Is it a people problem? Mm, uh, which is exactly my capacity point. Yeah. yeah. Is it people or is it the system's it's, bad? Yeah. Yeah. System's bad. There may be some processes in place that are just dis disengaging people. So they feel they need time out sometimes. It, what, back to that thing of what is the problem? And I always, I love, is it Sakichi Toyoda who used five whys and how? Mm. I am the eternal three-year-old who will ask why time and time again, because it's until you start getting back to the how, you have to ask why. Why is this a problem? Why do you need to address it? And just keep drilling back until you find out what the problem is. And until you've got the absolute core problem, it's really hard to know that you've got the right solution. But this is where the mind shift, the mindset shift has to happen. Yeah. Because if you're asking why and all you're doing coming back to is training learning and so on then you're not asking the right the right why that questions mm -hmm. because it won't just be about training and learning yeah. it will be about systems and structures and personnel and people and relationships and so on yeah, yeah. okay great i think these were some amazing insights I have the last question for both of you, but I know that this will be a quite deeper conversation going forward because this is more to do with your metrics and KPIs. So, all right, let's begin with this question as well. What metrics and KPIs do you find most valuable when evaluating the effectiveness of learning in the 
floor of work? I think for me, vary. Vary as much as possible. Don't just look at people's performance, look at organisational performance, look at team performance, look at department performance, look at competitors' performance, because some problems are just universal. Um, you can look at, if you've got, I mean, if, if you have a, an existing suite of content, I'm very heavily centred in content production at the moment, look at content performance. We frequently look to see what the hit rates and the bounce rates are on individual pieces of content. You might have two hours of the content that you've got, but actually you look into it and you find learners are only really engaging with three or four items within that. So are the other ones actually adding any value? Could you strip them out, turn it into 15, 20 minutes with a really high impactful content? Is there something that's missing? I think that's that's so important. And also listening to your learners because they actually know quite a lot about your learning and yes. how you deliver it and how it works. And we deliver a really wide, different sort of portfolio of content. And we will deliver, for example, a project management course wildly differently from how we'll deliver a software development or a cyber or a coding or that kind of thing. Because right. our learners tend to be, there's some overlap, but they tend to be quite different. And knowing, knowing the data on what different learners engage with and how they how their performance has historically improved in the past, it's really, really powerful. Indeed, personalization is usually the key, to be honest. That's what I have observed. And if you don't understand that even while you are giving, sometimes what I've seen, a lot of times uh, software de developers training plus a marketer's training is similar in organization. How can you actually imagine that that both of them have a different KPIs, different sort of understanding? Yeah. I mean, one of, one of my passions is universal design for learning from cast.org. And I think it's, that is just, you know, the multiple means of representation, action and expression. So how people engage with what they're trying to learn, how they interact with it, and how they demonstrate their competencies afterwards is it's a really powerful framework and um, set of guidelines to look at to make sure you're you're not just delivering in a single mode. You're yeah. presenting that flexibility so the learners learners will know they're adult learners. They'll know what will work for them, and they they'll try different things out. Indeed. In fact, at Wordfix, we we try to preach the same thing. We usually bring that uh, it's important to bring uh, personalization to your end users. It shouldn't be just about the learning content or anything that you're floating around. It's more to do with the personalized uh, touch for everyone and every user. There might be someone who likes an audio content. There might be someone who likes a video content. There might be someone who likes to go through a PPT. So uh, everyone has a different set of learning experience. So that that's what we even preach. So just to add to that, the there's a couple of things that that spring to mind. So following on from your just in case, just uh, sorry just enough, just in time. Actually, I think there's four modalities around learning design so we have just in case learning which is all the mandated required stuff which isn't arguably learning but we expect people to do and learning functions are required to make sure it happens and we move from just in case to just in time and we move to just in time learning because the technology allowed us to do that yeah. um so somebody can do an e-learning module at four o'clock in the afternoon if it needs to be done by 5 p.m kind of thing we then move from just in time to just for me 
and um, we've got to that point where people can pick and choose the things they want now and also further and following on from that post pandemic we've gotten to a point of just enough learning where people don't want to know how do i learn how to they just want to know how do i and they want just enough learning so we've got a situation where organizations are providing just in case just in time whereas individuals in an organization want just for me and just enough so there's a clash and a conflict between those two which i think is an issue and that's partly down to, to content second point i would speak to is the measurement piece so we've been doing a lot of research on this for about the last six or seven years um as to why we don't measure and evaluate effectively we've actually pulled a load of stuff together and we'll be launching it later on this year and we've identified four domains where learning and development have an opportunity to collect data from the learning activity but also from the workplace activity and they're based around a simple logic model of input data so uh, how do people join the learning activity were they invited were they mandated did they join once twice three times how many times did they enter what was the the time between registration and access what's mm -hmm. the time between access and completion etc those kind of interesting data points then we also want to identify output data so what was completed when was it completed how was it completed uh, was it clicked through and then assessment done what was the scoring which questions were completed who shared it when did they share it how did they share it where was it shared to was there a reflection that came from that as well so some interesting learning data but all of that is just learning data what it doesn't do it doesn't hit the outcome and impact requirements that we would expect so outcome in terms of so what you know what effects were created and then the impact was well what results happened as a result of people doing it so to use the sickness absence one i mentioned before you can see if someone's done the training you can see they logged in and did it you can see the output but actually i want to know the outcome and impact so as a result of them doing the sickness absence training what happened and in terms of business what's happened in terms of sickness absence across the organization has it gone up gone down stayed the same if it has gone down what business impact does that have and that's the approach that we're recommending and be driving through later on this year wow that's so inspiring in fact the data points that you spoke about this is too good because no one could have ever realized that even these data points could be that impactful even going to an event or what is the engagement rate a person is having all of that so it's it's great to, great to know like fran mentioned about this earlier that it's about people so yeah that's great to know that you're more the data I, is about people i was incredibly lucky so i was asked to provide the lateral flow device training and mm -hmm. design the training for the uk and yeah. that meant looking at the um sectors where people would do the learning schools universities colleges etc you know workplaces and so on but we got um about five hundred and sixty thousand lines of data wow. which gave us some really useful insights so we could see for example the time from somebody registering to somebody then logging in mm -hmm. what difference did that make to their completion right. and we found that people who logged in who registered and then logged in very quickly were more successful so that then led to a, a guidance on how, when people should access it. So warning them beforehand, don't just register and then forget about it because you're less likely to complete it. So the guidance we put out was much about do the learning when you, you're about to need the learning kind of thing. Yeah. So hitting that just in time approach for people and you know, just for me, so when it's suitable for you kind of thing and trying to pick out points mm -hmm. on that data. And we were so lucky because 
you know, half million lines of data, we found some really uh, testable insight from uh, within it. I'm sure this would have been a great research for you. It was. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, plan any th other thoughts that you have? Um, I think something that certainly in terms of workplace learning can be forgotten is that you deliver the change management and then you sign it off and that's it. And it's so important to look a week down the line. And it's certainly for our tech training, it's something we also do is look out beyond the delivery yeah. because there's some really powerful data you can pick up then as to how long, is, is this like a slight drop in, it's the forgetting curve, I suppose, in a way, but how long does the impact last? And you can get from that, is, is this something that we need to revisit it periodically? through things like communities of practice to keep the momentum up. And there's all sorts of different creative ways you can get in to, to keep that momentum going after after you after the event. But uh, you know that that's where that's where it matters really is three months, six months down the line that you want the impact of your learning still to be being measurable. Hmm. We we call it the power of nine. So nine days after having done something, what hmm. happened? So as a result of doing the learning activity, what, what is the effect nine days later? Then nine weeks later. So nine weeks later, what's the effect of that happening? Has it had an impact in the business and uh, uh, an outcome? You know, what's now different that's happening? And then nine months later, are we able to see a natural path between someone learning something and the effect it's had? And being able to track that through is really important. Yeah. That's great. I think these are some really good, uh, lovely insights. And to be honest, it's it's one of the most influential episodes that I have recorded so far. So thanks. Thanks to both of you. So, all right. As we wrap up this insightful episode, a heartful thanks to our guests, Andrew Jacobs and Fran Harrison, for their in invaluable contributions. Stay tuned as we bring you fresh perspective every week on the Digital Adoption Show. We are thrilled to announce that our podcast is now live on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So don't forget to subscribe our channels and stay tuned for upcoming episodes filled with insightful L&D conversations. We greatly appreciate your support and engage you and feel free to leave a review, comment, or a rating for us. And Thanks for thanks to all our listeners for an amazing support that you have given us in the last three years. And we hope for an amazing upcoming season as well. Thank you so much, everyone. All right. Thank you. Thank you, both of you.